Blog Talk Radio. Good morning. This is attorney Vince Davis. This is Get Your Kids Back Now. The show is dedicated to keeping families together and to fighting the tyranny of CPS and DCFS social workers. A secondary purpose of the show is to educate parents and relatives or to at least show them where to get the necessary information for their fights. The final purpose of the show is to remind the people that change can be effectuated at the ballot box, at the state and federal levels. Let us unite, vote, and elect those who will make the necessary changes. Good morning, all. We have a show today, and I'm going to be talking about uh, some requests that have been made um, via email to us, and I'm going to be talking about uh, suing the social worker and the counties. Uh, There opinion there's been an explosion of litigation against social workers and the cases that I'm involved in rightfully so in my opinion um, and, and I'm not saying that all social workers are bad it's the problem becomes is that social workers have a lot of power and power corrupts uh, some individuals and there are people calling me more and more to bring lawsuits against the social workers so today I want to talk about Uh, the Fourth and Fourteenth Amendments uh, regarding parents and children. And I want to remind people that those claims, those federal claims, are separate from state law claims, for example, under California law, or, for example, under Arizona law, or, for example, under New York law. Um, The federal law is known as 1983. Uh, The official citation, and you can Google this, is... 42 U.S.C. 1980, section 1983. That's a federal law that uh, protects individuals from government uh, violations of their civil rights nationwide. Uh, generally, cases against social workers come up in three or four areas. The first one is where the government violates the, and that happens when they take your children uh, without a warrant. And there have been many lawsuits brought by, you know, very well-known lawyers in uh, California and in other states about taking children without a warrant. The Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals has held that taking a child without a warrant, unless there's an ex- emergency circumstance, is a violation of your constitutional rights. So, Generally, those, peop- those types of violations are called unwarranted seizures. Sometimes the violation comes where they do have a warrant, but it was based upon false accusations, and I mean knowingly false accusations. The next type of claim that comes up in cases is where the social worker has uh, not been truthful with the judge. For example, in juvenile court or when getting a warrant, the social worker swears in a report or testifies on the stand to facts that just simply aren't true or facts that are exaggerated. And they are misleading the court and and are violating the civil rights of the parents and the children. The next type of commonly um, 
when you want to sue CPS is where your child is injured in foster care or where the child has been injured in foster care um, because there is a duty um, to protect children that are placed in foster care. So many times I get cases, and we have these types of cases now, where children have been physically, emotionally, or sexually abused while in foster care. And um, those cases happen too many, uh, or they just happen too much. And I know I get the impression that in the juvenile court, sometimes um, I get the impression that social workers try not to mention those injuries to children to the judge, and they don't put it in the report. And um, because judges are always mindful about the children that they are responsible for, they want to make sure that the children aren't injured. In Los Angeles County, um, it's so prevalent that the Los Angeles County Bar Association has a special panel of lawyers that uh, represent children who are injured in foster care. And also in, in the state of California, there's a foster care fund um, where you can uh, go to to get compensation uh, in case that the uh, foster parent who does the uh, tortious act um, doesn't have money to satisfy any particular settlement or judgment. And I said there was a three or four types of claims. The fourth type of claim, and we filed this in every case, and I've had people tell me, uh, other lawyers, uh, some judges, that these types of claims are called Monell claims or sometimes difficult to uh, prove. And a Monell claim is where the county or governmental agency ha has a, a custom or a practice or a policy or some type of training that is uh, violative of your constitutional rights. For example, um, I was involved in a case a few years ago where, although the social worker didn't testify to this at the deposition, the, the sense that I got was that sometimes social workers exaggerate things to make sure they win the case or to make sure um, what they're doing is justified. I was just involved in a case up in Yolo County and I had a witness, an outside witness, um, who would testify that conversation between she and the social worker um, didn't take place as the social worker wrote in the report. And the only thing that I could surmise was that the social worker said that to strengthen the case of removing the children and keeping the children removed. Um, so that's the type of thing that sometimes I get the sense that there's some type of unwritten policy or practice among social workers to sometimes exaggerate or even twist what you say. Many years ago, it, you know, social workers claimed they couldn't uh, video or audio tape your conversations with them because it was too expensive. But nowadays, everyone has a smartphone, and it's very easy to tape a conversation between, between you and a parent or between the parent and the social worker. And I'm not sure why that's not done more often. In California, I should say it is illegal to uh, tape someone uh, who doesn't know that they're being taped. It's actually a misdemeanor. And unless it falls under a few circumstances, uh, that tape-recorded conversation is not even admissible in court. Um, 
so those are the different ways that you can sue a social worker, three or four basic ways to sue the social worker in the county. And I sometimes jokingly or half seriously tell attorneys all the time, you know, in every juvenile dependency case or CPS case, there probably is some types of civil rights violation. Now, it may not be a million dollar or $10 million violation. Maybe it's a, you know, a $10,000 or $50,000 violation. But generally, you can always find something that has been done incorrectly in a case. There are a lot of things that happen in cases where the social worker, for whatever reason, doesn't follow the code or the law. For example, here's one that happens um, quite frequently. Uh, Your children are detained from you. And for whatever reason, the hearing is not going to be 48 until up to 72 hours later. And the code says that you are supposed to have a visit uh, with your child once the child is taken away from you, at least one. And a lot of cases, people come to me all the time and tell me, Mr. Davis, I, I didn't get that visit. And I'm wondering what's happening to my child or children. And I know my children are wondering what's happening to me. You know, if we reverse roles and put ourselves in these children's uh, position, it's a traumatic thing to be taken away from your parent and placed with strangers. I mean, I can't even imagine it for most children, especially children of tender years. You know, child's three, four years old, up to seven or eight, they're taken by a stranger, strangers, and they can't see or talk to their parent. Um, I'm not sure that that is doing what's best for children. There's also another topic that we should probably talk about, and that is uh, absolute and qualified immunities for social workers. Um, In certain instances, social workers um, can't be sued or it's difficult to sue social workers. Generally, in the three or four areas that I told you about, the wrongful detention or seizure of your child, you're lying to the judge, uh, injuries to children while they're placed in a foster care situation, um, and those Monell claims, uh, there generally is not uh, immunity or qualified immunity. Now, there are a lot of things you're going to have to prove um, in bringing that lawsuit. And people tell me all the time, oh, I'm going to sue the social workers, you know, on my own. Uh, Bringing a civil rights lawsuit is not an easy thing. And unless you really know um, the ins and outs of doing it, uh, you might be spinning your wheels. So if you're out there um, across the country or in the state of California and you're thinking about bringing a civil rights lawsuit against a social worker and the governmental entity, usually counties, sometimes states, um, you you have to know what you're doing. And... um, if you try to do it on your own and get thrown out of court or if you lose, you know, don't say that the system is unfair or the judge was unfair. It's just that you didn't know the rules to play by. And you're not going to know those rules unless you have some legal experience, probably a lawyer, for several years. So please keep that in mind. I know there are many attorneys around California and probably in your state they give free consultations about suing social workers. So take advantage of that. And one of the things that I can say is, you know, if you can't find a lawyer on Google or, you know, the phone book, you can call your local bar association. 
generally every county and every state in the union has a local bar association. You can call them, and, and most bar associations have lawyer referral services. So you can just dial 411, get the telephone number of your local bar association, and they will give you recommendations or referrals to attorneys that can help you with these situations. So that's my main key. Please get advice. Please talk to uh, an attorney uh, that is, you know, experienced in this area. Okay, my producer is saying we got to take some calls. We're backing up. I do want to say one thing. Today after 9.30 a.m., if you want a copy of my book, The Secret, How to Fight Child Protective Services and Win, call my office between 9.30 and 12 today. Leave your name and number, excuse me, leave your name and email address and your telephone number, and we'll send you out a free copy of that book. If you don't make it by the cutoff today, you can go to Amazon.com, and you can also purchase the book there. But in order to get a free copy, call between 9.30 and noon today. The number that you'll want to call is 888-888-6582. That's 888-888-6582. By the way, I wrote that book for parents and relatives. I did not write it for other attorneys. So it has a lot of helpful information. Um to get you started and to get you understanding what you're involved with if you're involved in a child protective services case where they are threatening or they have taken your children away from you. Okay, I'm going to take the first call from area code 951 ending in 55. Good morning. This is Attorney Vince Davis. Did you have a story to tell or a question to ask? Hi, good morning. I actually have a story to tell. I find it really interesting, all the information you were just saying um, prior to taking my call. Um, my daughter's case, um, she's 28 years old, and her children were taken away. Um, she ended up in the hospital, and she couldn't pick them up from school or pick her son up from school. And so CPS, I guess the school called CPS, and my mom and my sister you know, had gone to the school, but CPS was already there, and they ended up taking the kids. Um, and it's just, it's been, we're going on almost two years now, and the social worker has just kept extending it, extending it. Um, he lies. I mean, a lot of the stuff you were saying, I was like, oh, my gosh, that's like my case right there. This guy, he has like this bias against my daughter, and you know, and myself, and he's put so many lies in his report. He's never put in the report that my daughter was hospitalized and almost died for like a month and a half, which, you know, she had been dealing with this situation in the hospital. There's nowhere in the report that says that at all. This was after the fact that her kids were taken away. Um, and there's nowhere in the report he has just put so many lies in there and I've told him, you know, um, you know, me and you, because I'm a, I'm a marriage and family therapist. I told him we are mandated by the state of California. You know, I said, you're putting lies in this report. I said, why don't you correct those? And he just, you know, he just continues to lie and he just beats around the bush. And we've asked, can we record our conversation? He says, no, I'm a county employee. You're not allowed to record a county employee. That's against the law. 
And um, I said, well, we want to record it because you tell us things and then you write different stuff in the report that we never said and wasn't even brought up. Um, it's just been a real stressful situation. He has threatened me to allow my grandkids, my grandson is specifically the oldest one, to be adopted and I'll never see him again. So it doesn't matter whether I get visits with him or not. And, you know, and it's just been such a mess. And I've just dealt with him. I've dealt with him. I've said, you know, I'm just going to go ahead and get an attorney, which now I feel like I just should have a long time ago. This case would have been done. Um, But and when I tell him that, he says, okay, you know, I've been really, I've been really good for you. I've allowed you to see your, your grandson. I never had to let you see him. You have no rights, you know, and I, it's just been a mess. What county are you in? I'm in San Bernardino. Well, the case is out of San Bernardino County. So let me tell you a couple of things, you know, a social worker is supposed to put the complete picture of the case in the social worker reports to the judge. So for example, you know, your, your daughter was in the hospital in a life or death situation. Obviously, in my opinion, that should be in the report so that the judge gets complete picture and background of the case. If a social worker puts in things that aren't true or withholds information that should be put in the report, in my humble opinion, that's a violation of the family's civil rights. And you should mm-hmm. speak to an attorney about that. You know, you the issue about recording a social worker, I don't believe, and I may be wrong, I don't believe there's any law with respect to not taping a social worker. So if he tells you that, I think he's just BSing you. There is a law right. that you can't tape unless he knows that. And what I tell a lot of clients to do and what I have done on behalf of all clients is I've written the social worker and the social worker's attorney, generally the social worker's attorney, and I tell them, hey, any communication between my client and your client will be tape recorded or video recorded if they're at my client's home. So please let your social workers know that. Um, Mm -hmm. There's there's nothing illegal per se about – taping someone. And you know what? And in some cases I tell them, um, hey, you can't speak to my client unless it is taped or video recorded. And then they tell me, oh, we're not going to speak to your client then. And then they go to court and say the mother refused to talk to the social worker. Not that she had mm-hmm. an obligation to do it anyway, but that's not the truth. The truth is you can talk to the mother. It's just going to be recorded. Because, you know, sometimes you folks have the tendency of saying things that aren't accurate or just outright right. lying. So right. I would suggest you think about doing that. I don't know all of the details, but here's one thing that you should, you should always consider. And that is talking to an attorney, at least getting the free consultation. If a social worker went into your home, went into your closet and found that secret hiding place underneath the floorboards and took $10 million out of there and walked out of your house, what would you do? You'd call Johnny Cochran if he was alive. But when these social workers come in your home and they take your children and your grandchildren, there's a hesitation about getting an attorney. I know there are a lot of reasons for that. 
these children are worth more than $10 million, and you should be talking to an attorney, even if it's just a free consultation. Because the social worker will never know that you want to talk to an attorney unless you tell them, because it's confidential. The attorney won't tell anyone. So get the information you need to protect your family. And if it's been two years and these children haven't been returned to the parents or some relative, there's something going on that's wrong. So, you know, you're the grandmother. I I can just generally ask you, well, why aren't the children placed with you? Why aren't they placed with a family member? Yeah, I've passed background. I've given them family members' names, and they keep saying they're not going to give them to me. Um, You know, he just, like I said, he doesn't put, I told him, you've had plenty of time to correct your report, but yet you haven't. I said, you put information in there that's beneficial to you, but not beneficial to my daughter, you know, or us. I said, so, I, you know, we're kind of like, he just runs the show, and I've just been going along with it, and I'm just, I'm fed up at this point. I'm really, really fed up. You know what? Do you have a pen and a piece of paper? Yes. Okay. I'm going to give you some information. You should look up on the Internet and read, and then I'm going to give you my telephone number because you, you should call me for a free consultation. Okay. The first thing the first thing you could Google is Welfare and Institutions Code, Section 309. Okay. And I want you to read that. I want the audience to read that for themselves. Basically what it says, no, not basically. What it says is children have to be placed with relatives. All right? And then there's another section that gives certain relatives priority over other relatives. If you're a grandmother, you're in that priority group. Right. So unless you've been, you know, convicted of child abuse of some minor child or something like that, there's no reason why you shouldn't have your grandchildren. Right. That's what I've been fighting. There are those those that opine, and, and it is also my humble opinion, that a lot of times when children aren't placed with relatives, it's because of money. And, you know, I I get a lot of feedback from that about, oh, that's crazy, Davis. You don't know what you're talking about. But if you watch or, or, or read or do some research about the federal scheme, um, the incentive, the financial incentive is to keep the children out of the home and to keep the children out of relative placement. You know, there was there's a, a very well-known attorney who does a lot of lawsuits against uh, social workers and social worker agencies, and uh, he's a very good attorney. I, I've, you know, kind of known him. We, we belong to a couple organizations. His name is Sean McMillan. He's down in San Diego. He once took a deposition of basically the chief financial officer for, I believe it was Orange County, and, and, and this social worker explained how they make money from these cases. And mm. McMillan posted this um, uh, videotape deposition on the internet. And I think it was on Facebook for a long time. And of course, Orange County complained. And I think he told me Orange County, uh, Facebook took it down, but he's the kind of guy that would put, put it back up. You know, I mean, he, you know, he's really mm-hmm. trying to help and explain what's going on. 
search around on the internet and see if you can find some of the video, this particular videotape deposition. Just for your information, it's not going to help you in dealing with the, uh, the social worker you're dealing with. The only thing that's going to help you is if you do the following things. Number one, consult with an attorney. Number two, you mm-hmm. and your attorney have to file what's called a JV-285 form. You can Google that. Number three, you're going to have to file a 388 petition, and it's kind of a motion, to have the children placed with you as the grandmother. These forms, these two forms, are seem to be self-explanatory. However, if you try to do them yourself, the odds are, that the odds are that you're not going to be successful. Have I ever seen a civilian file a 388 and be successful? Yes, I have. More times than not, though, you're not going to be successful because you're not going to know exactly what to do. You, and and it, in my opinion, you can't just fill out the form. There's some other things that need to go with it that aren't even mentioned in the form. So take, you know, take into consideration those things. So Google those things, read them, talk to an attorney, you can call me, we give free consultation, and see if you can, you know, get your grandchildren placed with you where they belong. Okay? Okay. All right. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Thank you for calling and keep listening. All right. I will. I'm kind of uh, partial to this relative placement issue. Um, I was raised by my grandparents, my paternal grandmother and grandfather. So when it comes to these rel- relative placement issues, there's kind of a soft spot in my heart for them. And I, and I try to focus on those, I try to help as a lot of relatives, as many relatives as I can. All right, so n- our next call is going to be from area code 424, ending in 89. Good morning, Your Honor, with Attorney Vince Davis. Did you have a story to tell or a question to ask? Um, a little bit of both. Um, good morning. Um, I was calling because I have a special needs son that was, I was aware of that his medicine wasn't at school. Now, the school nurse called me, and school starts in August. Well, my kids are placed with a caretaker, which is a relative, is a niece. Um, some relatives, once they get your kids and they get to getting the money, it becomes out of control. Well, I call, and, you know, they try to take my kids from me. So now my daughter had caught a case or whatnot, and who does the CPS people want to monitor? Me. You want me to monitor for you guys, but you can't give me back my kids. That is 12, 10, and 11. The caretaker, you know, when it's your family, you're supposed to see your kids, supposedly, you know, have more interaction with your kids. They're telling me my, that I won't see my kids. You know, they don't want to talk to me. It was supposed to be telephone phonics due to the social worker. Social worker has like a... A bandana against me. I completed everything the court orders had asked me to do and everything else. And I had other children that was in my house also that were younger. At this time, you know, the CPS workers, they really don't care what you have to say. 
Like I asked them, like you say, 72 hours, 48 hours for your kids to come into court. It never happened when they took my kids. Never went to court. He went into court months later. I mean, they took my daughter because they just said they took one, so they come back in a year and a half later and take two more after I'm completing everything and these social workers basically have control over your life and I really don't get to see how. You know, especially when you complete what you what the court have asked you to do. I'm 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 just really fabricated. I don't know what to do. Are you are you you're you're the parent of the child? Yes. And how long has the child been out of your custody? One's been gone um be three years and the other one is four. Okay. Have they been adopted by anyone? No. She won't adopt it or nothing because caretaker gets her money. She adopts them, she don't get no more money. My kids don't want to be adopted. My kids went into court and testified they want to come home. They they they're tired of being there. And how old are they? They want to be thirteen and eleven and ten. Are they all with the same caretaker? Yep. My niece. Is the caretaker a relative? Huh? Is the caretaker a relative? Yeah, she's my niece. She we okay. used to communicate so, before before she got my kids. Now there's no communication at all. Is do you know how much she gets for your children every month from the county? Well I know it's close to um ten stacks. It's almost ten thousand because I have a special need. He gets his own plus he gets his disability, plus he gets his in home care. So they have opened up businesses and stuff since they got my children. They do a lot of she does a lot of traveling. I don't even know who has my kids. So do you think the caretaker Ten thousand dollars a month for taking care of all three of your children. Yes, they. I got a paperwork. One of them, because my son, my twelve-year-old, he's almost thirteen next week. He's a D-rate. So, since he he's supposed when they when they had took him from me, because I refused to give my kids up, so they locked me up until. My other daughters brought them to court. My son was supposed to go to a facility, a medical facility or so, because he has a lot of health issues. And one of my, my concerns were, if a school is calling me, and school's been in since August, and the school's calling me in October, here it is at the end of October telling me that my son's medicine ain't been at school and he hasn't had there for a year. I asked him, why didn't they call a reporter? They tell me, why don't I just bring the medicine? Okay, well, for number one is for her to be my niece, she's moved. She changed her number. She, uh, Her boyfriend told me that uh, my kids don't want to see me, don't want to talk to me. 
Um, I asked them too much. What I asked them too many questions, like what do they eat, how are they sleeping, what school they go to. Um, they just basically trying to take my kids like they're theirs. And guardianship. Um, are your children in guardianship right now? Yeah, they're in guardianship, and so I wanted to know what was the the legal rights of guardianship. Are you? A, I mean, if they're with a family member, I'm thinking that we're supposed to be seeing them and acting with them. Yes, there's there's guardianship orders, and and part of those orders, I can pretty much um, tell you that there are visitation orders for you to see your children on a regular basis. And if you're not seeing them, if you want to increase that or even get the children back home to you, you can file um, a, what's called a 388 petition to change those orders. Have you talked to your attorney about that, or is your case closed? No, they closed my case. Um, they closed my case July the 5th. Um, and I have, like I said, I haven't talked to my kids. I don't, I don't know where my kids are. Um, I talked to her boyfriend, and the boyfriend said, um, I'm not going to see my kids. I'm not going to talk to them. They don't want to talk to me. And I'm just like, that's very odd because I know my my one with special needs, I know he wants to see me, and I know he wants to talk to me. And he told me, yes, hey, well, he does. What, but... uh-huh. this, is what, this is what you should do. You should go to the courthouse second floor clerk's office up in your in LA. I'm guessing mm-hmm. you're in Los Angeles County by your telephone number. So you go to the Monterey mm-hmm. Park Courthouse, second floor clerk's office, and ask them for copies of the guardianship orders and letters. They will be in your file. Um, they will pull the file, make a copy for you, and then what you should do is call me for a free consultation, and I can tell you what to do to uh, try to enforce your visitation rights or establish visitation rights or expand your visitation rights. How does mm-hmm. that sound? Yes, great. Yes. Okay. So I think Monday is a holiday. To, okay, am I able to switch guardianship? I never gave her guardianship. I prefer to go to, like, my sister or someone who's older than me. She's My niece is too young to have that responsibility is a way to do that it would be it's a you know an uphill battle at this point in time um that might have been something that should have been brought up when they were considering her to be the guardian however it's not impossible but let's get mm-hmm. a, let's start with getting a copy of the orders first and then uh let me review them you can email or fax them to me and then we can have a phone conversation or you can come into my office and we can talk about uh, some sort of strategy to enforce your rights and get you back in the picture. How does that sound? Okay, that sounds great. All right. Do you have my office telephone number? Um, no, can I get it, please? Yes. It's 888 Okay. 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 All right. Appreciate you so much. You have a blessed day. Thank you. Thank you for calling and keep listening. Yes.
Okay, I'm going to take another call at this time. Um, ending in 562 area code, ending in 17. Good morning. This is Attorney Vince Davis. Do you have a story to tell or a question to ask? Uh, good morning, uh, Vincent. Um, first of all, this is a, a sh- your show today very much touches <clears throat> what me and my family have been going through um, to um, uh, share with your listeners. And also, I think the key that you start with every show is like the most important thing is to have a good attorney, to have an attorney that uh, can really defend you because in my case and probably a lot of other cases I hear, is you start off believing that the system will work for you, that they're there to help you when you're in dire straits. Uh, mine was economic disaster. And uh, <clears throat> right off the bat, first violation was there's no warrant. Uh, it was like you sit there kind of dumbfounded because you're trying to ask you, what are they really after? And uh, it was well orchestrated and played that they not only would bring out social services, they bring out the fire department, the code enforcement, they bring out the police department, and already your kids are being picked up without your knowledge where they're in the schools. And of course, my other kids were getting completely shocked. I'm with my nine-year-old standing in front of these so-called professional people that you think that they're trying to help you, but instead they're uh, on the alternative uh, motive uh, based on some hearsay, based on what we thought we didn't know behind the scenes that some of our family members were instead of trying to help uh, with our situation, we're trying to uh, destroy our family and in the process they kind of did that. And all through the whole course of the events that pursued for four years, you know, we, you know, we were a loving family. <clears throat> and when I lost my job, <clears throat> it was hard. And, uh, Unfortunately, I was going through a lot of other things in my life, too, and uh, it was like um, uh, when you lose your other family members, like my mom and dad and stuff, I was trying to take care of some issues. And so when I got through there, but every step of the way, every review report, every time you show up at the court, it was really uh, tough because they'd make up stories. They'd take something and blow it up that wasn't really there, and, of course, the kids – they tried to stay together, but they knew that in order to succeed with them. And the youngest child, who was nine at the time, who's now 13, wasn't really allowed to really say anything. It was really sad for him because he said there's nothing going on that the family needs help and not to do it. And their idea of help is to make you go through everything. And we did. We proved everything. But when we got our attorney on board, the damage was done. They've already, you know, uh, uh, in the criminal part and also in the dependency part, they pretty much uh, had their minds made, made up. And uh, they were determined to uh, uh, destroy, and they have violated my civil rights, all my family members. You mentioned several things, your civil rights, yes. You know, there was no search warrant, and I never once had an opportunity to be with my daughter to even see her. I hadn't seen her since uh, uh, May 2nd, 2015. And so um, uh, that's really hard. How can you, uh, supposedly they want you to be reinstated as a family unit, but if you don't try it or you don't have any chances, you'll never get that way. And so we lost her daughter in the process. She decided to stay with some some uh, parents she met for seven months and uh, 
that's where she she went and that is really that's destroyed my wife uh my wife and i been an uphill battle we we're, we try to stay together but it's hard two separate homes so <clears throat> things like my son my young son again he was physically abused in the foster care system it was it was a shock to hear him because he likes to take communion uh, by a priest, not by the lay person, and they punished him, put him in his room. Um, I remember when he was in a group home, one of the workers that was watching us, and that's another thing, he, they destroyed my son's scouting career, both of my son's scouting career. He's made a very unpleasant thing there um, to um, uh, uh, do any kind of scouting because you have these people staring at you and other people are wondering what is going on. So uh, it was just it was destroyed. It's just every step of the way, and um, it's like you know we finally closed the case with my uh, last son, my older son. Now finally he went on his own and he got out of the system. And he said that hey, I'm old enough. I can get out of the system. I'm going to be with my mom and dad. You can't stop it. And so he's very loving. He comes home on the weekends. He's going to college. So that's working out good. But my young son, he was asking me last night at the football game. He was sitting there and watching the football game because, you know, he wants to go and play football at the school and stuff. And he says, he says Dad, you know, here we are, and we have Mom, and uh, we're trying to enjoy a family outing. But, you know, it was really wrong what they did to us. They destroyed that three years of love and and and, and the things that you're – parents you know you teach love and caring and so forth they destroyed it all and so uh, we want very much to pursue a case against social service because they need to really uh, someone has got to wake them up that they just can't railroad things through they just can't be dictators and uh, and just want to do everything that they want to do itself it's just um, it's just so hard and it's just it's an up and deal battle, and it's like I'm on the home stretch trying to get my restraining orders done and formal probation done, trying to get those terminated. There's no reason to keep them in place. And even my probation officer says, "What the hell are you doing with our system? You don't belong here." And it wasn't because we were into drugs or anything like that. It's because we did some stupid things, like you know, having a bunch of belongings to your parents and you have them in your house and now they say well that's an endangered to the kids but it was like the stories that the, you think your families your outside family units would be supportive but my wife's family just destroyed everything they just really turned the dark side but um, we now are a family of four um, and we know that our daughters come up for the final paperwork in Christmas time and that's the hardest thing of my wife because she's just tearing her up about that but um, I just I just want to know what the strategies are. I guess it's kind of like a question. Is that right now in another week we're going to be following this um, this lawsuit? It's like the strategies is that how do we? I mean, how long does this process last? And and how do we um, show them that uh, there are civil rights and uh, that physical damage that was done to our children? Uh, there has got to be a price to pay for it. There's a lot of questions coming up, and and uh, I, I just uh, the, the key thing is to have a good attorney. And Mr. Uh, Davis, you are one of the best attorneys I've met in my life, and uh, I, I know that you have more than just a job. You have a desire 
to make sure that, you know, families are put back together and, and families are out there. It's people like you that really keeps me going and so forth. So I'll leave it at that, Vincent. Well, thank you very uh, much. I appreciate the comments. Uh, the question that yeah. you asked about the lawsuit, how long does it take? You know, depending yeah. on where the case is filed, if it's filed in, for example, L.A. County, you might be in court for one to four years. If it's filed in um, federal court, you might be in court for one to one year to a year and a half. Uh, it just depends on where you file it, the things that happen during the case, uh, the court's calendar. I was meeting with a family last night, and we recently filed a lawsuit for them, and uh, they thought that we'd be at trial within a couple of months. And I said, no, that's not the way it works. And I'm giving them a whole outline of the civil rights uh, court process. And um, perhaps I should share that on my website or with my listeners because, you know, bringing a lawsuit, a civil rights lawsuit against a social worker, depending on whether it's in state or federal court, you know, it's a big deal. It's more involved and complicated than most people think. It's just not file the lawsuit, go to court in a couple of months and have the trial, and then some jury or judge makes a decision. That's not the case at all. There's a lot in between filing the case and the trial. There's something called discovery practice. There's something called law and motion practice. Um, you know, there's taking the depositions of experts and of witnesses. You know, all that type of thing goes on uh, during the pendency of the lawsuit. And I would you know, I'd venture to say that 80% of the lawsuit happens between filing the lawsuit and the trial. So imagine, you know, people just think the lawsuit is filing the lawsuit and it's going to trial. No, that's only 20, 25% of the case. 80% is that law in motion, the discovery practice, law in motion practice. So there's a lot to a lawsuit. And that's why I told people at the beginning of the show, it's difficult doing a lawsuit against a social worker in a county uh, agency when you're a lawyer with, you know, 30 years of experience. Imagine how difficult it would be if a civilian, a non-lawyer tried to do it, not knowing all of the rules, all of the pitfalls. You know, um, people think, well, justice will prevail. But the problem is, is that, you know, people don't know what real justice is. On uh, on YouTube, I, I continually refer to people to one of the videos I did on YouTube. If you go to YouTube and search Vincent Davis, What is Justice? And watch a seven-minute video. I think it might, you know, give you some information that you will be surprised about what justice is. Because I can tell you, unless you're a lawyer with a lot of experience, you probably have a misconception of what justice is in the courtroom. It's not what you think it is. And what you need to do if you're going to be involved in any type of lawsuit or any type of uh, court action, you need to follow, find out and figure out what justice is. Was there any other question you wanted to ask me this morning? Yeah, it's just the, 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 other, the, the other thing is, is that when this gets strategized, it gets put, put out and so forth, is this a, a weekly thing, or is this a monthly thing you go to court? Is it like an everyday affair? Is it, and then how do you know whether it's a federal offense or a state offense? Or, you know, I mean, 
these are, these are all things coming up. Yeah, and those are all seem simple questions, but they all have complicated answers. For example, almost every case that you have can be filed in state or federal court. Now, you have to make the determination of whether you want to go to state or federal court. They're significantly different. Not too long ago, I was in a federal court, and um, the judge told me, Mr. Davis, you're not in state court anymore. And, you know, I, <laughs> I realized I wasn't in state court. They're different animals. Um, you know, in a federal court, you got to have a unanimous jury. In a state court, you got to have nine out of the 12 jurors vote for you and agree. Uh, and those are in civil cases. Different rules of civil procedure. In California, you have the California Code of Civil Procedure. In federal court, you have the federal rules of civil procedure. They're similar, but, you know, there are a lot of subtle differences that can turn a case around. In California, there's the California Rules of Evidence. In federal court, it's the federal rules of evidence. Yeah, they're similar, but there are some significant differences. In California courts, you generally have the local rules for that county. Um, in federal court, not only do you have local rules for each district, but you have local, local rules for each judge. And sometimes those can be significantly different. So imagine a person who's a civilian and not an attorney trying to, you know, maneuver their way through the system. And then when they get bounced out because they don't know the law or the rules, they're going to say that the system is unfair. And that's not completely accurate. What is generally more accurate is you tried to do something and you weren't qualified to do it just because you thought you knew what real justice was. And that's why I tell people to look at this video because real justice is not what they think. Um, and, you know, I might as well tell you, hey, Go perform open-heart surgery. You can read about it on the Internet. Well, you probably know I can't do that because the patient is going to die on the table. I'm not a doctor. You're not a doctor. You didn't go to medical school, and you don't have experience doing open-heart surgery. Well, why would you try to do that? Of course you wouldn't try to do it. But the same is true for cases in, in, in the courtroom. But yet people every day want to represent themselves. People every day say to me, I'm going to represent myself in court, and I'm going to get justice. And, you know, I don't know what to tell them sometimes because, you know, it bursts a bubble. You know, I was talking to a guy. He's about 50 years old. He has 50 years in his mind and in his heart of what he believes justice is. How do I tell him, hey, what you've been thinking for the last 50 years is completely and totally wrong. How do you tell a person that? And when you tell the person that, they're going to look at you. And, you know, these are generally people that I've met for the first time. They're not going to know what to, how to, that, that they should trust me. I'm some strange dude wearing a suit and tie. How do they know to trust me or that I even know what I'm talking about? They don't know. You know, I've been a lawyer for a long time. Not everyone knows me. Most people don't know me. You know, there's somebody told me two, 250,000 attorneys in the state of California alone. I'm just one of those people. I actually think it's more than 200. I think it's like 300,000 attorneys in the state of California alone. 
you know, and there's only literally a small number of lawyers that practice in this area going to juvenile court trying to reunite families or going to civil court or to federal court to try to sue uh, social workers for civil rights violations. There's a lot of pitfalls, a lot of things you have to know about the system and about the rules, about the case law and about statutes. You know, it's hard for me to imagine that, you know, a civilian would try to do it by themselves without any legal help. I agree. I hope I, that I, 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 yeah, I agree. And you, you, you know, the trust there is there. I think all your listeners have to understand this man is on a show, giving up his time on a Saturday, talking to you listeners because he cares. He cares about families. He cares about them in his office. He has people that really come in that he cares. He listens. And so there's where all the trust is and things. This, this man, you, know, you Vincent, are, are, are a good attorney, and uh, you make, you'll make things happen. And that's the best word it's, it's, it's at. Is that a lot of attorneys don't do shows. A lot of attorneys don't do books. A lot of attorneys just perform, where's my money? This is it. Get out the door. And uh, I've seen that. I've been around a lot of attorneys. And, uh, and and you're one of a kind because you go in and, and you care and you get involved and you really try to reach out to help people. So all you listeners out there, you decide about attorney. See Mr. Davis. He's 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 one of the best. Well, thank you very much for those compliments. Uh, flattery will get you everywhere. Thank you for listening and uh, please call in again. Thank you, sir. I really can't stress that enough to the listeners, no matter where you are in this country. Um, find a lawyer that's experienced in, you know, these CPS cases, these trial prote- child protective service cases. And, you know, listen to that lawyer. You know, you can probably go to two or three or more free consultations. Listen to the lawyer. Sometimes the lawyer is going to say things that you don't like. Sometimes the lawyer is going to say things that you never knew. Sometimes they're going to say things that are completely opposite to your belief system. And, you know, generally, I won't say all the time, but generally my experience with lawyers that practice in this area, they do so because they care about families and about children, and they're going to help you try to reunite with your children. So listen to your lawyers. Um, I know I get a lot of complaints a lot of times, and I'm sure people complain about me, but generally, Lawyers are there, and they are going to help you. Um, Yes, it's going to take you some time to find the right lawyer to represent you, but take the time. Your children are important. This is an important situation we're talking about. Um, I was talking to someone this week, and uh, the person was telling me, um, you know, I want to do everything possible to get this child back. But when it came time to implement my strategy, they weren't, you know, or this person wasn't uh, acting as if they wanted to do everything possible to get the child back. Now, when you have one of these cases, either a case in Child Protective Services Court, and you're trying to reunite with the child or trying to get the child back into the family, you know, it's a lot of work and a lot of time. There are no magic wands. I used to have a magic wand in my office, and I would always take it out and show, you know, show uh, clients hey, this magic wand doesn't work. You know, it's just a stick. It's going to take hard work and a lot of work 
in order for you to prevail in this case. So let's get it, get with it. It's a team effort. Now that's another thing. Everyone should be, who has this type of case, should be working with their attorney and trying to make sure um, that you get the most from your attorney, the most bang for your buck, and that you assist your attorney. You know, call your attorney, schedule meetings with your attorney, email your attorney your thoughts, strategize with your attorney two or three weeks before. Make sure that the witnesses are subpoenaed and the exhibits are subpoenaed. You want to make sure that you have a significant chance every time you go into the courtroom. Okay, we're running out of time. There was a couple of things that I wanted to mention today. Um, Later on this afternoon, I'm going to be at Pasadena doing a presentation um, for a group. If there's anybody in the area today that wants to go to Pasadena to see my presentation about CPS law, juvenile dependency law, about getting your children back in your custody or with your relatives, please call my office and I'll make sure that my secretary has that information where I'll be speaking in the time. I think it's from like 12 to 1 in Pasadena, uh, California. And if you call us at 888-888-6582 after 9.30, um, I'll make sure that the secretary has the place and the address and the location of where you can come see me today. Um, Part of the presentation I'm going to be giving is going to be um, just a presentation about the law and the procedures in court. I'm going to be doing some question and answering after that as well. So if you have questions that you want to ask me live and in person, uh, come to Pasadena. I wanted to mention also, finally, uh, remind people, I have a YouTube channel and we're adding videos Um, almost every week it seems like. And these are videos just to give information to people about certain situations in the juvenile court system and getting children back to near custody or to a family member. And um, we're starting to post uh, videos with respect to suing social workers in civil rights cases. So take a look at that, get informed, um, be informed. I want to tell you one last thing. You know, at the beginning of every show, I mentioned the three reasons for having this show. And one of the reasons is uh, to make sure that everybody votes. In California, um, social workers, not social workers, but judges are elected. And I want to make sure that everybody has the right to register and that they exercise that vote for the judge of their choice. I want to thank everyone for listening this Saturday. Uh, Listen in next week at 8 a.m. I plan on having a special surprise guest in the last half hour. Uh, So thank you and have a good Saturday.